Hello and welcome everyone, I am Ducky O'Brien, and welcome to episode 34 of the Ducky O'Brien Show. So this week we're back to covering indie games, and as usual we have four indie games to cover. We have Run Gore, Labyrinthatory Growth, and Tribe Primitive Builder. So Rungor is a super fast-paced card combat roguelite. Labyrinthatory is a very indie 2D puzzle game. Growth is sort of like a very casual and chill board game. And then Tribe Primitive Builder is a casual survival crafting game with like management sim aspects. I actually played these games before going to Korea, but I didn't get to finish making the coverage for it, so that's why I'm covering it now. Boy, let me tell you, it is getting very busy because Christmas is coming up. And I'm also taking part in the Big Mo Game Jam. I don't know if I'm going to actually finish the game because it's my first time attempting a game jam. And I'm a noob at game dev, so we'll see what happens. I almost forgot, but before I begin the show, I would like to thank everyone for dropping by and listening. I really genuinely do appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. If there's anything you would like to see in my podcast or you would like for me to do differently, feel free to drop me an email. It's duckyobrienshow at gmail.com. Anyways, why don't we get started? Run Gore is a fast-paced card combat game with the trappings of a roguelite. You fight one enemy at a time. Before each battle, you usually select three items from a random assortment of cards and armor. After selecting your items, the characters fight automatically in real time, but you can use the cards to make the battle much easier. The cards you get can range from effects such as giving your character bonus armor, dealing extra damage, and applying the mark status effect. The mark status effect is used for bonuses on other cards such as dealing extra damage to marked enemies or receiving extra armor. The enemies get progressively difficult so using up all your cards early would make boss fights much harder. Thankfully, you do see a preview of the enemy and their abilities on the screen where you select your three items. You can use this information to determine a general strategy. For example, one enemy will double their attack every turn. Using stun cards to delay the enemy from attacking would be beneficial. Another strategy would be to stack armor cards to prevent damage to your health or to stack damage cards to finish the enemy before their damage gets too high. The fights can get difficult so in typical roguelike fashion, you will eventually die. Once you die, you can spend your earned coins on passive upgrades. The upgrades range from things such as unlocking more card choices or improving the armor pieces available. Armor provides a permanent upgrade to your run by either increasing passive stats like health or by increasing the effectiveness of cards such as increasing the armor gained. There are different classes to unlock as well. Each class has a different passive ability. For example, Night Guy is the first class available. Night Guy will restore health after every battle. He does look a little grumpy, but that may be because he is not a day person. Uh, <laughs> I got puns for days, fellas. In fact, I try, I try very hard not to write puns in my articles, and I try very hard not to put puns in my podcast, but sometimes I can't help it. Anyways, there are some pretty tongue-in-cheek scenarios in this game. One such scenario was encountering a rat that claimed a new kung fu. If you choose to get lessons from the rat, you will get an extra card. The humor may not be for everyone, but the sense of silly levity is spread throughout the game. Overall, Rungor is a nice, light romp. The game feels pretty fast-paced. The only complaint I have is that the card mechanics could feel a bit more tactical. Early on in the game, you don't really have that many strategies to employ, and every fight starts to feel a little bit 
repetitive. For additional information, the game currently has 82% positive reviews with a total of 158 reviews as of this writing on November 29, 2023. Rungor was developed by Your Mom's HP, very classy, and then Raven JM. It was published by Grab the Games, Gamera Games, and Upgrade Point. When there's multiple publishers, it's usually for different regions. It was released on October 12, 2023 with MSRP of $14.99. I did receive a free key from Keymailer. Thank you so much for sending me the key. I spent a total of 1.2 hours playing the game so far, and there are no achievements, which is a little strange because the demo has achievements. Okay, moving on to our next game, Labyrinthatory. It's a mouthful. Labyrinthatory is a 2D puzzle game. There's a very light narrative about an eccentric relative that passed away. During the funeral, you receive a call from said relative asking you to discover the truth to what man's greatest need is. You go to said area, meet a robot assistant, and the game starts, and then from there, it kind of devolves into a series of disjointed puzzles. While the puzzles themselves are okay and standard fare, there's really no underlying mechanic or theme uniting them all together. Even the narrative backdrop is pretty much forgotten. Before I go on to explain, I am mentioning this from the spirit of offering possible feedback rather than taking a dump on the game. I enjoy the game so I have no desire to put it down, rather I saw some shortcomings that could be improved upon for the developer's next game. These are just my own opinions obviously, I don't think anyone should listen to me, I don't know what I'm talking about, but when I play a game and something bothers me, you know, sometimes you just want to rant about it a little bit. As a casual enjoyer of puzzle games, I know fans of the genre all have their own games they consider to be the creme de la creme. Such games are masterfully made and stand the test of time. For some, it may be missed, especially if you're older like me. For others, games such as The Witness come to mind. There are so many fantastic puzzle games that are coming out and have come out recently. Cocoon, The Talos Principle 2, and Viewfinder are more recent examples. For me, personally speaking, I think Filament is quite possibly one of the best puzzle games of all time, followed closely by Superliminal. I can't speak for others, but the criteria I use for judging a puzzle game is based on the ingenuity of the mechanics, the quality of the puzzle design, and there being a sense of either the mechanic or the theme of the game being at the core of every puzzle you encounter. These traits are obviously quite subjective in nature, but there is a degree of objective metrics used when judging these traits. Superliminal does a great job of having the underlying mechanic tie in with the narrative beats of the game as well. Now, the narrative element in Superliminal may not be everyone's cup of tea, and I understand that. But even if you didn't like it, it's hard to deny that the thematic elements of the narrative match up quite nicely with the actual gameplay mechanic that is changing your perspective on things. Both of these things coming together in harmony make for the ultimate puzzle game. If the narrative elements are lacking, at the very least the puzzle design has to be well done. This is where Labyrinthatory is lacking, quite a lot unfortunately. I understand from a development perspective that a lot of work and love went into this game. I'm always dabbling with game development myself, so I understand how hard it is to make a game. I really do. Designing and coding each puzzle takes quite a bit of work. Writing out each line of dialogue, which is quite wholesome and contains a lot of referential humor by the way in this game, also takes a lot of work. However, when it boils down to the essence of the game, Labyrinthatory is simply just a series of minigames. 
For example, in one area, you play hangman, guess the answers to word puzzles, and then play a logic game where you assign traits to people. These games most people would probably have already encountered and are used to playing. Furthermore, there is no mechanic or theme in connecting these puzzles together. Also, the puzzles take place in the cornfield early on in the game. It would have made the game feel a bit more cohesive if all the puzzles were related to corn in some manner. I'm just talking about something as simple as making the hangman answers relate to corn, or making the word puzzles have rather corny answers. It would be amazing. While the puzzles are enjoyable enough, since they were puzzles I played around with as a kid, it already started to feel a tad repetitive. Furthermore, since there was no underlying mechanic to the game, the puzzles felt incredibly disjointed and isolated. The game lacked an identity. Games like Filament, Superliminal, Portal, insert any memorable puzzle game you played here, and you'll find that most have a mechanic that left an impression and was enjoyable to use. It was either that or very unique and well-made puzzles. Now it may totally be the case that Labyrinth of Tori introduces such a mechanic later on, but by then it may have been too late. In this day and age of short attention spans, the gamer's attention has to be caught sooner rather than later. I'm not mentioning this criticism expecting the developer to make changes to the game right away, obviously. I completely understand it takes time to learn and grow and get better at things, so it's just simply food for thought for whatever game they make next. Also, I understand the possibility that Labyrinth Authority was made that way because the developer wanted it done that way. I respect that from the perspective of an artist staying true to their own vision, but in order to keep creating, one has to produce a product that enough people will actually want to buy. The harsh reality is that the consumers have limited time and money, so for them to support your product, it has to provide them a reason to pick that product over everyone else's. Being able to provide that reason takes blood, sweat, and tears. I wish the developer the best of luck on their journey. For additional information, Labrintatory currently has zero views as of this writing on November 29, 2023, Labyrinth Authority was developed and published by Unimposing Walrus and was released on October 30th, 2023 with an MSRP of $14.99. I received a key from Keymailer. Thank you so much for sending me a key. I currently have spent one hour on the game and my achievement score is 3 out of 52. As a side note here, I just want to say I totally understand how hard it is to make a game and when you spend so much time and effort and love making a game, it's your baby, right? So I understand people might not want to hear criticism or feedback, but the reality is if I'm playing a game and I don't like it, I'm not going to suddenly say, oh, I like this game after finding out that it was made by a solo developer or an indie developer. Like my enjoyment of the game doesn't change based on knowing how the game was made. It might make me appreciate a game that I like better if I knew how it was made, but it does not make me enjoy a game that I didn't like better. So that's just something I'm putting out there because at the end of the day, I have to choose to pick your product over literally anything else I can do with my time and money. And so you have to work very hard to earn that. I totally understand that's very hard to do and hopefully, you know, people who are out there making games, doing whatever, making content of any form, I hope y'all don't give up. I hope y'all keep working. It's very hard. It's not it's not easy. Okay, moving on to our third game, Growth. Growth is a very relaxing board game. The premise is very simple. 
You send out animals from their habitat tiles to explore the board with the hopes of discovering new habitats. When you deconstruct the gameplay loop, it's sort of like a less lethal minesweeper with the range of how far you can travel. The end goal is to uncover enough of the board, which then adds a completely new board to explore. The immediate goal is to uncover new habitats, since discovering new habitats increases the number of animals you have. The animals are sent forth to explore, and each animal has a different range and ability. For example, on the flower field habitat, you can unlock some bees. The bees have a short range, but they can fly over rivers, making them highly efficient when it comes to traveling over small bodies of water. The bees cannot fly over mountains, however, which the mountain goat can do. The boar can travel very far, and etc. Each animal has a different range and ability when it comes to traversing the land. The game also has hints based on the color of the tiles. Darker color tiles signal that a habitat is adjacent to that dark color tile. So when you first start the game, you will notice some dark green tiles very close to the starting point, meaning a forest habitat is nearby. Once you start exploring enough of the map, the hints come less and less frequently, so you have to daisy chain the animals by creating small habitats. How this works is every animal you send out creates their own habitat tile at the destination. If you create two habitat tiles next to each other, they combine and form a habitat where you can send out animals. You're essentially daisy chaining animals together to have a longer reach. There is a cost to this since you have to spend two animals and only get one back, so I would recommend using this as infrequently as possible. There are some key areas on the map that will give you a free bird, which you can send long distances and it will uncover a large area. This will let you plan how to use your animals more efficiently. The mechanics and growth are very easy to grasp and understand. The game never feels too complicated, and since there's no clock running down, you can take all the time you want in the world. It honestly feels very relaxing to play. The only end goal is uncovering as many boards as you can before you run out of animals, and there's enough of a design to the board where you have to use some strategy. For additional information, Growth currently has 98 positive reviews, with a total of 75 reviews as of this writing on December 1st, 2023. Growth was developed by Voodoo Duck and published by Assemble Entertainment. It was released on October 16, 2023, and the MSRP is $9.99 US dollars. I did receive a free key in my email. Thank you so much for sending me the key as always. I currently have 1.2 hours spent on the game, and my achievement score is 10 out of 30. As another note, I would like to say here, I really don't like it when I only spend like an hour or two on the game. I would love to beat the game, ideally, before writing a preview. If I don't beat the game, I don't have a full picture of it. And also, from my own personal observations, you have to spend roughly four hours with the game before you can kind of get a grasp of the mechanics and the design of the game. After four hours, I can usually see the intent of the developer in the game most of the time. Sometimes though, it's not uh, ideal, but I don't have a lot of time, so I can only spend an hour with the game sometimes. That's why I label these as previews. I don't consider them reviews. That's why I also have a lot of unedited footage for the game, so people can see for themselves and make their own decision. Okay, moving on to our last game, Tribe Primitive Builder. Tribe Primitive Builder may look like a standard survival crafting game, but it introduces an interesting mechanic that threatens to break the illusion that is the survival crafting genre. 
What mechanic is that, you ask? Unlike survival crafting games, you don't have to grind all the way to the Platinum Axe to find out the answer. The game incorporates a management sim aspect and the results are very interesting to look at. The game lets you build huts with specific functions, i.e. a fishing hut, and then assign workers from the tribe to said hut. They will carry out their duties as long as they have two things, food and tools. This has a greater impact on the game than one would think. It's just unfortunate that the survival crafting mechanics of tribe are a bit too shallow to let the game really shine. We'll get to the shortcomings in a bit and focus on how the management sim aspect impacts the game. The result is that you spend way less time carrying out tedious tasks for upkeep and instead only have to do the bare minimum in crafting enough tools for each hut. The fishers in the fishing hut take care of hunting food and the workers take care of transporting the fish to the warehouse and then to the cooking hut where a chef turns the raw fish into rations. The rations are then taken by the workers and distributed to each hut in turn. There's really no need to participate in the tedium that is so familiar in a survival crafting genre. Even gathering is taken care of for you. You only need to chop down trees and pick up rocks if you want to, and this leaves gamers in uncharted territory. Gone is the constant dopamine drip from meaningless progression from repetitive microtasks that give a false sense of accomplishment. I'm almost certain that the game would have received way more positive reviews if the management sim aspect was not in the game or if more tedium based progression systems were in place. Fans of the survival crafting genre mistakenly view time wasted as skill. For example, a lot of people will discredit any amazing builds in most games if they are done in creative mode and will only respect builds done in survival mode. I really don't understand this. Creative mode means the player is given unlimited resources and has everything unlocked from the start. Somehow, wasting an inordinate amount of time mindlessly gathering resources doesn't make a build more grand. The skill is in the architecture and design and the artistic expression, not hours spent. Having to not waste time on gathering resources and managing upkeep means one thing, having more time to actually build things, and this is where Tri Primitive Builder falls flat. While I think the management sim aspect is fantastic, the actual crafting and building is the weakest part of the game. Building structures in this game has no freedom at all. You simply select the building blueprint, lay it on the ground, and then click on parts to finish building it. There's no room for creative outlet or expression of any kind. The management sim aspect of the game gives you more time to build, but the building aspect is too limited to provide any kind of satisfaction. Having played a lot of sandbox survival crafting games, I learned one important thing. Most people just want a guided experience with clear objectives and they want to see numbers and bars go up. Once most people unlock and level everything up, they lose interest in the game because at that point, the fun comes from their own creativity and ingenuity. I totally understand because it takes a lot of work to create your own fun in a sandbox environment. I personally put in hundreds of hours into both Astroneer and No Man's Sky, and while these games aren't the traditional survival crafting games, they offer the freedom of a sandbox, and I saw most people lose interest as soon as the quote-unquote ending was reached. It's the illusion of the survival crafting genre. You think you're putting in all this effort and time to reach the end game so that you can finally build things, but once you actually get to the end, all the dopamine generators and instant gratification are gone. Not everyone is like this, but only a minority of players are crazy enough to take advantage of everything a sandbox has to offer. 
For example, one No Man's Sky player named Basque001 built a functioning pinball machine in the game. What a mad lad. As for the game itself, Tri Primitive Builder is a mediocre game. It's casual fun. The management sim aspect is interesting, but the building is shallow. It was very interesting from a meta perspective of reflecting on what the survival crafting genre gameplay loop really is and why it's so addictive. I will say though, anecdotally speaking, more people do seem to enjoy just building things in Minecraft, but that's most likely due to its massive popularity. Will I still play survival crafting games and spend hours punching trees and rocks? You bet I will. For additional information, Tribe Primitive Builder currently has 84% positive reviews with a total of 369 reviews as of this writing on December 1st, 2023. Tribe Primitive Builder was developed by Spaceboat Studios and Bank Games SA. It was published by Polyslash and was released on October 12, 2023 with an MSRP of $19.99. I did receive a free key from Keymailer. Thank you again to whoever sent the key to me. I spent a total of 3.1 hours on the game so far and have an achievement score of 2 out of 29. Okay, that's gonna be it. I will say I really did enjoy Tri Primitive Builder. I'm not saying the game is perfect or doesn't have flaws, but uh, it's my bias because I love crafting survival games. I love production line games. It's my one weakness. I like punching rocks, just gathering stuff. I think it's kind of like gaming OCD where I love collecting and hoarding everything. So if a game lets me do that and lets me build a production line, I'm going to have at least a little bit of fun with it. Most games have progression systems nowadays because it's a very easy way to kind of distract the player from the gameplay loop if it's boring and kind of give them like a meta goal of increasing all those meters to max. The sad thing is if I play a game without it, I can still have fun with the game, but it takes me a little bit of time because I played a lot of those games way back in the day from the NES going forward. But I think gamers who are a lot younger who only encounter those systems will have a little bit of an issue when they play a game without those systems in place. That's kind of a sad conundrum because I kind of like games to be a lot simpler, you know? I just wanted to focus on the core mechanic. Okay, that's going to be it. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I don't know who y'all are, but thank you so much. If you want to reach me, you can shoot me an email at duckyobrienshow at gmail.com. That's D-U-C-K-Y-O-B-R-I-E-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. You can also find me on YouTube and Twitch if you want. If you go to my website, duckyobrien.com, it should have all the links. Actually, it doesn't have my Twitch link, but you can you can find me. <laughs> okay, that's been episode 34 of the Ducky O'Brien Show. And as always, hope you guys are staying safe and sane out there. And I will catch you guys next time. <laughs>